And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, April the 15th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 15, 2013, two bombs made from pressure cookers exploded at the Boston Marathon at the finish line, killed two women, eight-year-old boy, and injured a lot of others. 260 other people were injured. The bombers were two brothers, One of them died in a shootout with the police. The other one was captured, tried and convicted, sentenced to death. Today in 1452, Leonardo da Vinci was born in or near Tuscan town of Vinci. Today in 1850, the city of San Francisco was incorporated. And today in 1865, President Abraham Lincoln died nine hours after being shot the night before by John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater in Washington. Andrew Johnson became the nation's 17th president. I mentioned Lincoln being shot yesterday on the program in our little piece that we do about what happened today in history. He was shot yesterday. He died today in 1865. Today, 1912, the British luxury liner Titanic, I mentioned it yesterday as well. It hit an iceberg a few hours before today, late at night, and uh, it actually sank today, two and a a half hours after hitting the iceberg. 1,514 people died. Less than half that number survived. Today, in 1947, Jackie Robinson, baseball's first black major league player, he made his official debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers, Ebbets Field. That's when the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. My dad was a big fan of the Brooklyn Dodgers. I don't know why he was. He'd never been to Brooklyn. But um, he he really liked the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I I was a big fan of the New York Yankees. And I'm not sure why either, except they had some players that I liked, some famous ones, and I have their baseball cards. I had a lot of baseball cards that came in that bubble gum. You might remember those, some of you. But uh, anyway, my dad was a big fan. Dodgers fans, Dodgers fan. They they later moved out to L.A., of course, but they introduced the first black major league player, Jackie Robinson. Today, in 1955, Ray Kroc opened the first franchised McDonald's restaurant in Illinois. Today, in 1989, students in Beijing launched a series series of pro-democracy protests. Demonstrations culminated in a government crackdown at Tiananmen Square. You may remember that picture. It was it went around the world. There was a, a lone student, I think it was a, a guy, uh, standing in Tiananmen Square, and there was a big tank, a big Chinese government communist tank had rolled up right in front of the guy, and the guy was staring at the... It was an ominous picture. I mean, it just... They say a picture's worth a thousand words. That one was worth 10,000 words. It said it all. The big government, the big communist government, standing down this kid who was a college student, but they wanted democracy. Well, they didn't get it. Today in 2007, riot police beat and detained dozens of anti-Kremlin demonstrators at St. Petersburg, Russia. Second day of protests. They were protesting against the communist government. Soviet-type government of President Vladimir Putin. And one year ago today, 
you'll remember this. A fire swept across the top of the Notre Dame Cathedral. The soaring Paris landmark underwent renovations. I saw a picture of it just, I think, over the la- over this past weekend. It was in the news, and you, scaffolding is still around it. They're still working on it, obviously. But the blaze collapsed the cathedral spire and spread to one of the landmark rectangular towers. But fire officials said the church's structure at the time had been saved, and they found that to be true as they have begun the restoration and the repair of it. Remember during the account in the Bible of the crucifixion? Remember Pilate? All of the chaos and the confusion and people who had been shouting and screaming just a week ago, you know, and hallelujah and praise the Lord and all of the stuff that they were doing on Palm Sunday suddenly had turned and they were yelling and stamping their feet and whatever yelling, crucify him, crucify him. In all of the chaos, with the religious leaders hiding in the shadows, orchestrating the political the political Roman presence and dictatorship, really, Pilate got confused for a moment. He didn't know what to do. His wife had told him he should be careful. He, he shouldn't, probably ought not to be crucifying this Jesus of Nazareth. But in In all of the chaos, Pilate turned and looked to Jesus, and he said, what is truth? I don't know if he really meant that or if it was meant to be mocking, but he said that. It was on his mind. I couldn't help but think of a confused Pilate when I read a letter that Nancy Pelosi wrote yesterday. In a blistering letter dated April 14th, to her Democrat colleagues. She said, we've got to get to the truth. Then she proceeded to present the truth, her truth. One of her truths was this. She said, quote, the truth is a weak person, a poor leader, takes no responsibility. A weak person blames others. Then she proceeded in her letter to give 10 things, 10 things, that are Donald Trump, President Donald Trump's fault. After after telling her colleagues that a weak person blames others, she started blaming the president for everything, everything that's wrong in America. She goes through the list. I'm not going to read the list to you, but I'm looking at the letter. She said, the truth is that Donald Trump dismantled the infrastructure handed to him, which was meant to plan for and overcome a pandemic, resulting in unnecessary deaths and economic disaster. Well, that's simply not true, but it is true to her. Progressivism is a wonderful thing. Truth can be whatever you want it to be, whenever you want it to be. The fact of the matter is that the the stock room, the warehouse, whatever you want to call it in America, didn't have anything because previous presidents, including Republican presidents, didn't refill it. They didn't put it back. They didn't want to spend money out of the budget, I suppose. Or maybe they just didn't weren't aware. I don't know, but they didn't do it. Most recently, Barack Obama didn't do it. The truth is, she said, that in January, Donald Trump was warned about this pandemic, ignored those warnings, took sufficient, insufficient action, and caused unnecessary death disaster. So all of the deaths that have happened, her truth is that it's his fault. 
it's interesting how that sometimes our statements are more about ourselves than about others. She goes on down the list and finally toward the bottom of the list, she says, quote, the truth is a weak person, a poor leader takes no responsibility. A weak person blames others. In doing so, she's defining herself by her own actions on the same page. We live in an interesting world today. No wonder people are are finding themselves are finding themselves depressed, discouraged. Many of them, many of us across America. In conclusion, she says, "Here's one more truth." The American, I'm quoting her, Nancy Pelosi, the leader of the Democratic Party, supposedly. She said, here's one more truth. The American people want us to work together. That was written by the woman who hasn't spoken to President Trump in months and is presiding over a chamber that's in recess while people are dying in the streets and hospitals of America. And they want the Oval Office in November. Boy, we need to be very careful about this election. I got this letter. I got a number of notes passed to me from our office. It says, Dear Gary, I listen to your program every day and really enjoy it. Our son gave us an Alexa device, which I never wanted one in my home, but the Lord in his grace had it that I should have this. I found ACN and you, your program. I've been a child of the Most High, the Most High God, since I was 27 years old. I'm enjoying the teachings and preachings that do not water down God's holy word and do not do the feel-good preaching. Well, thank you. I I hope that some of you feel good some of the time, but we do try to get to the truth, and we, not my truth, but God's truth. And we do our best each day to put that out there. This person that wrote the letter, and they sent a contribution, thank you for that, is from Athabasca. I think that's the way you pronounce the town. I'm not sure. I, It's in Alberta, Canada. And I'm not sure how to pronounce the town, but thank you so much. She writes at the end of the letter, I pray for the USA and ask that you would please pray for us here in Canada. May God bless and keep you always. Thank you so much. Gary, thank you. I like your message. I like the facts, the truth of the Bible. It's the only complete truth we have. From uh, Mercer Island. Thank you, Gary and staff. May the Lord bless and keep you in the work he has given you to do. Sela, Washington. There's many, many messages and notes like that praying for us, thanking us for doing what we do, and I thank you because you're as much a part of this as I am. Really, you are. Without you, there wouldn't be me. But we're here. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your support. I've read statistics that are chilling, to say the least, that ministries are down 30, 40. I read one, I think yesterday, I read one report that said Biblical-type, conservative-type ministries, some of them are down 48% in income. I want to thank you for standing with us because we, as I'm sure others, but 
if we didn't have your support just one month, we would go away because we don't have reserves. So I want to thank you for standing with us. These are really troubling um, times. are uncharted. Uh, people are confused. We need we need to hear what the Bible says about what's going on around us, and we do the best we can with that every day. And I want to thank you for standing with me. It's very important. And as I said, we would not be here without your support, your prayer, your financial support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Both Gallup and Rasmussen took America's temperature this week. They both took polls. On the same thing, I don't know if they were communicating with one another, but both found that some, perhaps many Americans, are worried and depressed. That didn't surprise me. It probably doesn't surprise you either. It was interesting that one of them put up a picture of um, of the Pope speaking in an empty St. Peter's Basilica on Sunday. There were, of course, evangelical churches. I was paying more attention to them than I was the Pope, to be honest with you. But there were churches all over the world that were empty this last Sunday. In fact, in China, while the churches were empty, the Chinese government, really, they were going around to the evangelical Christian churches in China, taking the crosses off the steeples or off the side of the church. And when called on it, they explained the Chinese government. They explained that they were doing so because the Christians had put the cross higher in the air than they did the Catholic, or the uh, the uh, Chinese flag. In some cases that wasn't true. In some cases it was. There was a Chinese flag because it's mandated outside the church and sometimes the cross was way up there in the air and it was higher than the than the uh, Chinese flag. So they were being punished on Easter Sunday for raising up the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the world we live in. That's there, but here in our own country we're having some of the same battles. So I wasn't surprised to see that People are depressed and worried. The Pope said people around the world, he said, are indifferent. And he said we ought not to be indifferent. Well, I'm sure he's right on that, but boy, in America, I don't see a lot of indifference. But I do see a search for hope. I do see discouragement. He said, dear brothers and sisters, indifference, self-centeredness, division, and forgetfulness are not words we want to hear at this time, but we want to ban these words. Well, I think we evangelicals would like to get rid of those words as well. We don't like them either. But in the surveys that were published by both Gallup and Rasmussen, published yesterday, they found that there's some healing that's needed. Just as the coronavirus is responsible for the pandemic COVID-19 not Donald Trump. The dishonest press is a great part. It's an instrument in spreading worry and depression. Yesterday, I just glanced at some headlines. These are actual headlines, and I didn't just choose the negative ones. I couldn't find a positive one. These are actual headlines from major news sources yesterday. Headlines. New normal of social distancing. Wearing masks will last a year, if not much longer. Today at home, another headline, stay at home orders stir protests nationwide. 
Well, that gives you the feeling that America's in revolt and they're not willing to stay home. But yet polls show that 95% of Americans are are pretty much doing what we're supposed to do. I know, but the media finds those who don't and they make it a major news story. And then you get the feeling, if you're not informed, you get the feeling that, boy, everybody, I'm the only one that's doing this, whatever it is. And I think that's, I think that's done purposeful on the part of the media. I saw this headline, new strain emerging, question mark. Food supply worries grow. Large headline, probably an inch print. IMF, the International Monetary Fund, worst recession since 1930s. This was a headline. This was a headline in a in a newspaper in a major city. Oprah, <laughs> Oprah, Oprah warns black community that virus is taking us out. And then there was one headline, and I measured it just to be sure. It was two inches. Where are the tests? And on and on it goes. No wonder people are depressed. They see this stuff all the time, and without without a knowledge of, of God's word and without the understanding that God is in control of what's going on in our circumstances, in our culture, of course, of course, we would become depressed and worried. So the option is to be informed and trust God or to be uninformed and be misled. Abraham Lincoln defined the America of his time as a nation divided against itself. It was. Was it over abortion at that time or marriage between same-sex people and all that? But it was about slavery. The question was, can one man own another man? Quoting Jesus, he gave probably, well, he had several very famous speeches, but one of the most famous, a nation divided against itself, he said, quoting Jesus, drawing from the Bible, he said, cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. He predicted that we will not always be divided in his speech, at least regarding slavery, because he said one belief will ultimately prevail over the other. And it did. Yesterday, Rasmussen said that we are deeply divided in America. We knew that. We sensed that. Nowhere is it more evident than when we look at the look at the race for the White House, race for the Oval Office that's developing before our eyes. Robert Knight, a guy that writes a lot, I pay attention to what he writes because I, I agree with him, and he's very well-spoken, very has great insights. He wrote an article, it was day before yesterday, it was Monday. He said, as we navigate the coronavirus crisis and head toward November, Joe Biden and his party are going to have to pretend they aren't captive to the Bernie Sanders AOC, that's Ocasio-Cortez, wing without alienating young true believers. The first, by, the first part might be hard, but perhaps not the second. He said, we've won the ideological battle says Bernie Sanders. Well, he did say that. Bernie did say that. He said it on April 8th when he announced the sort of the end of his campaign. The Democratic Party is now slurping down the Marxist Kool-Aid that Bernie's been pushing for a long time. They've been pushing class warfare. That's the bond that brings all the factions together. Bernie Sanders is kind of like a Soviet-loving politician, 
except he's from Vermont, not Russia or China. But he's moved the party far, far left, and he acknowledges that. He said, that was my purpose. They're openly purging Democrats, not Republicans, Democrats, who don't march to the socialist drumbeat. That's what's going on in our country. No wonder we're politically divided. Representative Dan Lipsky, eight-term Illinois Democrat, but he was pro-life. So the Democratic Party has targeted him, they did target him, and he was beaten in a special primary election in Chicago on March 18th. He was beaten by Marie Newman, who's the far-left Bernie AOC type of Democrat. The Democrats put a million dollars to beat one of their own because that one of their own happened to be one of the last pro-life Democrats. It was amazing. They spent a million dollars, the party did, to get this woman elected because Marie is pro-abortion, whereas Representative Dan Lipsky is not. He's gone. It's amazing. She will now, as she said, as she was elected, she's part of the squad. We heard a lot about that before this coronavirus took over. Led by New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We'll be seeing and hearing more from that group very soon, I'm sure. But that's what's going on in our country today. Back on the 8th last week before endorsing Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders continued to blast America as rife. I'm quoting him with racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, religious bigotry. Well, the latter charge is kind of interesting to me because that's coming from a guy who was grilling Russell Vought. I talked about it on this program. You may not remember, but I think you will as I mentioned it to you. I wrote about it as well in our Faith and Freedom Daily that's read now in 50 countries all across this country, but in other countries as well. I mentioned it. Russell Vought, he was President Trump's nominee for Deputy Director of the Office of Management and Budget. Russell Vought happens to be an evangelical Christian. He believes what many of you believe, what I believe, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. You can be saved. He is the only way to God. Basic biblical truth. He's a Christian. He goes to Bible studies. He and his wife are involved at church, and they lead certain ministries within their church and so on. Well, Bernie Sanders got a hold of this, and he didn't like it, and he really went off during the hearing. It caught my attention, of course. Those kinds of things always catch my attention if I'm aware of it. But this, he became a very angry senator. In fact, on tape, he was yelling. This was about a year, year and a half ago. He was yelling at Mr. Bout during the hearing, Bernie Sanders. He said, you are unfit for public office. And the reason that he said Vout was unfit was because he's a Christian, a biblical Christian. Bernie had taken a, a kind of a line of, of questioning him. This hearing was about whether he was qualified, and he's highly qualified, and he is the deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget, but that was supposed to be what the hearing was about, but Bernie got off on this thing about he is vowed in Jesus and the Bible, and Bernie wouldn't quit. He was asking him questions. One of them was, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? And Vout said, yes. He said, that's 
all evangelicals believe that. He said, yes, I do. And then Bernie just ripped him because he said, so what do you say to the Muslims? Don't they have a right to get to God and all of this kind of thing? That's what, that's the other side of this political division in America. Marxism's main enemy is the God of the Bible and those who believe in him. This isn't personal. Nancy Pelosi claims to love the Lord and pray for President Trump. I don't believe that. I don't believe it for a moment. God knows her heart. I don't know her heart, but I certainly know her actions, and I can read and listen to her words. I don't believe that for a moment. People speaking out of both sides of their mouths on an issue, it's one thing to disagree politically. That's healthy. But it's quite another thing for people to do what they do, not just Nancy, but the other side, the left. And we're living in such a time now. But this whole idea is being driven forward as we march toward this election in 2020 of November. These long-time left-wing, far-left-wing, they have seized their party. And this isn't a political talk that I'm giving. This is a spiritual one. It's not about them. It's about what they believe and what they're trying to foist on this country. If they're allowed to take control of this country, this country will probably never recover from that save for a mighty miracle of God, and I believe in miracles. But even some of the far left Washington reporters like this Dana Milbank with Washington Post, she's even questioning if the Democratic Party hasn't gone too far to the left. And the issue is that they're taking Joe Biden with them because Joe has a problem sometimes even remembering where he is. Honestly, he does. In fact, often. And now Barack Obama has joined the march. And it's not going to be pretty. So there's a lot of reasons why people today in America are depressed. Certainly the virus. But all this other stuff going on. But I just want to leave you with this today before we run out of time. Consider this, Psalm 34. Let me just leave you with verses 16, 17, and 18. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. Much of what happens in our lives is dependent upon how we look at that, and that's why we always try to look at what's going on in our world through the lens of the Bible. And God says, the face of the Lord is against those. Not that he doesn't love those. He died for all. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The righteous cry out, and the Lord draws near. His ear is tuned to the righteous when they cry out. And he delivers them from all of their their troubles. And then verse 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. So when our heart is broken, when we're discouraged in despair, God is even closer that he was before we were experiencing those emotions. Take that with you. That's the truth. Not my truth, but that's God's truth. Hey, thanks for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow.